Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. I'm up in the Word. I'm up in the Word. We got to make Bible reading fun, exciting, convicting, inspiring, challenging, adventurous. When we think of reading the Bible, what do you think of? But I think if some of us are honest, we think of some of our weird relatives. (laughs) Or we say, that's a really big book. Where do I start? It's got big words. What do I do? And in fact, how we're processing information, think about it. Like, we're learning through movies to stop and slow down time and read text that's a six-size font. You know? As we take a journey in God's Word today, hopefully we'll see that we can bite-size it and get all the way down to something powerful Because I know we all want to build our life on a firm foundation. We want our lives to last. We all do. And if you you did the heavy lifting, you're here on a Sunday. I recognize it's because we need a booster. We want to be reminded that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. Some of us might be on that last straw that if just one more thing happens, I'm about to break. I pray today that God can break in and do something brand new with all of our broken pieces if we let him. Like he can do it. My name's Jerome. I get to be the lead pastor here. If I haven't met you yet, I would love to at some point. If you, can, if you see me, like every name, every story is important. So introduce yourself. I'd love to uh, get to know more people. I try to sometimes go out there and give a high five and get in a conversation because every person matters to God. And God is present today in such a profound way. I'm thankful for our team here, the dream team. When we say dream team, we believe it's God's dream that his people will be a part of his team, a family, a believers, a believer of people, a group gathering on mission, also recognizing that the battle's real, we're at war. And that constant rhythm that we're always having to walk in, we need each other, we can't do this thing alone, we are better together. I had a friend in high school who uh, was on our football team, and on the bus ride, he would read his Bible, ninth grade football, and take his Bible places, and no one else did. He stood out. We would ask him, what are you doing? <laughs> I read my Bible. Well, what's in there? <laughs> it's God, God's word. What? And then Kind of maybe making fun a little bit, but not too far because there's still reverence. Just like, okay, I don't, don't talk. There's, there's a respect at least. Have we even lost some of the reverence? And maybe even in the body of Christ, we've just gotten so comfortable that, that, that maybe we've missed how much God wants to retransform us. Give us the instruction manual. Give us the playbook. Give us directions. Give us um, assignments. And all because he's a good father not a bad dad. He's a good dad. And so if he's a good dad, he's going to lead us to good places. And if he loves us more than we can think or imagine, then if he's given us something to understand him, then how do I understand God's word better? Now, if we got five minutes, we still figure out, if we're hungry, we still figure out a way to eat, don't we? We Get a protein bar, protein shake, You got longer, 30 minutes, you might cook one of your favorite meals. You got two hours, we might start thinking crock pot. We're thinking some crazy experience. Thinking all day, family reunion, everyone's coming, we're getting it all ready. We're going to feast. But the point is, we will make sure that we eat. Because we get hangry. In life, I wonder if our anger and our bitterness is often wrapped up in because we aren't spending enough time eating God's word. 
word, 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 and jumping into that. So we're going to look at one book today and then highlight one chapter in that book and then eventually look at 18 verses in that chapter and then highlight just a few verses to help us continue the journey of not making the Bible intimidating, but inviting. It's not intimidating. It's supposed to be inviting. And it's meant to correct and teach and lead and challenge us. I think sometimes we say we feel condemned or that person's judging us when what we're really feeling is conviction. And conviction's a good thing. Because if you're wrong, we need to be corrected. And when we're convicted about something, we need to change. Because we don't want to callous those thoughts so much that they become so distant, that voice of conviction or so silent that we can't just suck up our pride and be like, actually, I need some help. I know we're in a good place because today we're saying that, and I know I'm preaching the choir, but the same thing I'm preaching is the same thing I need to be led by. I need God's word today, like correcting me and challenging me. So it's inspiring. And to call us to attention before we jump into God's word, I want you to think of something real quick. Who do you respect the most that's a leader or maybe a celebrity? And if they came here right now, begin thinking of this person. If they came here right now and asked for you how you would respond, okay? So just take a moment. They could be either dead or alive, just whoever you think of the most, respect the most. Could be a world leader, could be a celebrity. And whoever that is, we're not going to ask. We're just going to know it in our mind. And, uh, and I'll tell you who, who, whose mind was earlier. And it, outside of Jesus, okay? You can't really pick Jesus. I, I, you, can, you can pick Jesus, but that's kind of where I'm going. So don't pick Jesus for a second. So pick your plan B. Don't try to act super holy out thou, because I know some people turn into groupies real quick when your favorite, you know, sports player walks in or favorite rock star walks in. People be fainting when, you know, they, they, they just do that kind of stuff. So me, let me think, LeBron. And if LeBron flew from LA right now, and was like, hey, I came to Lansing. People are like, why are you here? I'm here to see Jerome. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, I'd probably be like, hey, guys, I'm sorry, but I'm going to go talk to LeBron in the hallway. <laughs> hey, can someone else preach for me? LeBron just flew here, and he said he's only got 10 minutes to meet with me. Because when the king steps in the room, if you will, your attention changes. It demands attention. Jesus left the comforts of heaven so that he could be present with us, and that should demand our attention. So we're not just reading God's word. This is God himself. Hopefully that calls our spirit to attention. It's not business as usual. When we get the Bible, this is powerful, inspiring, all transforming. So we're going to watch an eight-minute video, um, and it's by the Bible Project. And the Bible Project is a great ministry created to help us understand this big book that's made up of 66 other books that makes up one book and this ministry uses illustrations they talk and it keeps a sound and perspective and different thoughts and they have i believe over a hundred videos now for sure dozens that that all teach us about the bible and so again that's bible project you can google it bible project and You'll get videos galore that you could sit at home with your family, watch, read. And here's one of them on the Gospel of John. And the Gospels, there's four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And three are eyewitness accounts, Matthew, Mark, and John. And Luke is written by a doctor watching this whole Jesus movement play out and then decides to record it so that he can capture what is taking place, and he articulates in such a profound way. So each gospel serves a purpose, and they're all pointing at the same story, and they're given different nuances and attention. And you have John's gospel. Gospel means good news. Sometimes when the Bible's preached, you can feel super heavy. And there's a difference between convicting and heavy. Like, I don't have to go be mad at everybody. But I do think we need to run some sprints every once in a while, okay? I do think that's a lost art in our culture. We, we are getting pacified where everything, you know, like everyone gets a trophy. And I'm not going as far as to say that 
there's not good elements of that. But I also know that if we aren't careful, we, we still need a, 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 like somebody who can just be like, hey, what are you doing? You know, we need that every once in a while too. But if we start to only hear that perspective of somebody preaching, we feel like, oh, this is just so heavy. I'm never going to be good enough. No, don't. Stop. Stop. You and me, we're never going to be good enough. <laughs> That's why the good news is awesome. It takes bad, broken idiots like me and you. You're like, well, I don't feel like an idiot. Well, maybe you're not broken enough. You should compare it to an awesome God who's infinite and never makes bad mistakes. I make bad mistakes all the time. Come on, this 11.30 service. Man, you woke up late. No, I was kidding. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Sorry. I love. Actually, I was thinking at 11.30, I was like, you need to teach the 10 a.m. how to worship. No, I was kidding. No, God made people differently. We got two churches. The first 10 a.m., very cerebral. I love that thought. Amen. The, you know, this crowd is like, yeah, <laughs> give me something. Give me something, right? So, but we love them both. Honestly, it's beautiful because the body of Christ is different, diverse, and we celebrate diversity. We don't try to make conformity. Do you got to be like me? No. Do I got to be like you? No. Do we both got to be what God made us to be? Yeah. All right, so check this video out. The Gospel of John, the first half of it. The Gospel according to John it's one of the earliest accounts of Jesus' life, and we learn at the end of the book that it comes from one of Jesus' closest followers called the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, he appears many times in the story itself, and there's some debate about whether it's John the son of Zebedee, one of the twelve, or a different John who lived in Jerusalem and was known in the later church as John the Elder. Whichever John it was, the book embodies his eyewitness testimony, and it's been brilliantly designed with a clear purpose that he states near the end. John says, the story is written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that by believing you may have life in his name. John believes that the Jesus you read about in this book is alive and real and that he can change your life forever. The book's design is really cool. Its first half opens with an introductory poem and a short story that's followed by then a big block of stories about Jesus performing miraculous signs that generate increasing controversy. And it all culminates in his greatest sign, the raising of Lazarus, which creates the greatest controversy as Israel's leaders decide to kill Jesus. And that launches into the book's second half. These chapters focus on Jesus' final night and last words to his disciples, which are followed by his arrest, trial, death, and resurrection. The book concludes with an epilogue. In this video, we're just going to focus on the first half. So the book opens with a two-part introduction. First, a poem that begins, in the beginning, was the Word, an obvious allusion to Genesis 1, when God created everything with his Word. Now, a person's words, they're distinct from that person, but they're also the embodiment of that person's mind and will. And so John says that God's Word was with God, that is distinct. And yet the word was God, that is divine. And as we ponder this claim, we hear later in the poem that this divine word became human in Jesus. Then John goes on to draw from the stories of Exodus, saying that Jesus was God's tabernacle in our midst. The glorious divine presence that hovered over the Ark of the Covenant became a human in Jesus. Which leads to his last claim, that the one true God of Israel consists of God the Father and the Son who has become human to reveal the Father to us. Now as we consider these mind-bending claims, we then start to hear a story about how John the Baptist first met Jesus and then led other people to meet him and become his disciples. And one by one, as people encounter Jesus, they say out loud who they think he is. And in this one chapter, Jesus is given seven titles. Now these titles prepare us for John's love of sevens in designing the book, but altogether they also make a claim that this fully human Jesus from Nazareth is the messianic king, he's the teacher of Israel, and he's the son of God who will die for the sins of the world. Now that's a big claim to make about someone, and John will now go on to support it through the stories in chapters 2 through 12. They all have the same basic pattern. Jesus will perform a sign or make a claim about himself, and that will result in misunderstanding or controversy. And so in the end of each story, people are forced to make a choice about who they think Jesus is. 
The first section shows Jesus encountering four classic Jewish institutions, and in each case, Jesus shows that he is the reality to which that institution pointed. So Jesus is at a wedding party, and the wine runs out, and Jesus then turns these huge jugs of water, like 120 gallons total, into the best wine ever. And the head waiter says to the groom, you've saved the best wine for last, which is, of course, true. But John also calls this miracle Jesus' first sign. In other words, it's a symbol that reveals something about Jesus. So just as Isaiah said that the Messianic kingdom would be like this huge party with lots of good wine, so this first miraculous sign reveals the generosity of Jesus' kingdom. Next, Jesus goes to the Jerusalem temple, the place where heaven and earth were supposed to come together and God would meet with his people. And Jesus asserts his authority over it, running out all the money exchangers, stopping the sacrificial offerings. And when the temple leaders threaten him, he says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Jesus is claiming that his coming sacrificial death is where heaven and earth will truly meet together. His body that will be killed is the reality to which the temple building points. Then Jesus has this all-night conversation with a rabbi named Nicodemus who thinks that Jesus is just like him, another rabbi and teacher for Israel. But Jesus says that Israel needs much more than just another teacher with new information. Israel needs a new heart and a new life. Or in his words, no one can experience God's kingdom without being born again. Jesus believes that humans are caught in a web of selfishness and sin that leads to death. But he also knows that God loves this world. And so he's here to offer people a new birth, a new chance at life. From here, Jesus travels north, and he ends up at a sacred well in a conversation with a Samaritan, that is a non-Jewish woman. And they start talking about water, which Jesus turns into a metaphor for himself. He says he's here to bring living water that can become a source of eternal life. Now in John, this term refers to a new quality of life, one that's infused with God's eternal love, and it's a life that can begin now and last on into the future. After this, John has designed another collection of stories that took place during four Jewish sacred days, or feasts. And again, Jesus uses the images related to the feasts to make claims about himself. So Jesus first heals a paralyzed man on the Sabbath, which starts a controversy with the Jewish leaders about working on the day of rest. And Jesus says it's his father who's working on the Sabbath, and so is he. And they catch his meaning, that he was calling God his father, making himself equal with God, and so they want to kill him. The next story takes place during Passover, the feast that retold the Exodus story with the symbolic meal of the lamb and bread and wine. And Jesus miraculously provides food for a crowd of thousands, which results in people asking him for more bread. And then Jesus goes on to claim that he is the true bread, and if they eat him, they will discover eternal life. And this offends many people who stop following him. After this is a block of stories set in Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles, which retold the story of Israel's wilderness wanderings as God guided them with the pillar of cloud and fire and provided them water in the desert. And Jesus gets up in the temple courts and he shouts, If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. And then later he says, I am the light of the world. He's claiming to be the illuminating presence of God and the life-saving gift of God to his people. And some people believe and follow him, but others are offended and still others try to kill him for these exalted claims. The final feast story is during Hanukkah, which means rededication. It's about how Judah Maccabee cleared the temple of idols and set it apart as holy once more. And Jesus goes into the temple area and says that he is the one whom God has set apart as the Holy One, and that he is the true temple where God's presence dwells. And he also says, I and the Father are one. This makes the Jerusalem leaders so angry, they set in motion a plan to kill Jesus, and so he retreats from the city. Now all these conflicts, they culminate in one last miraculous sign. Jesus hears that his dear friend Lazarus is sick, but his family lives near Jerusalem, which is now a death trap for Jesus. Now, Jesus could stay away and he would save his own life, but he loves Lazarus. So once he hears that Lazarus has died, he goes to raise him from the dead, and he calls him to life out of his tomb, knowing that it will cost him his own life. 
And the news of this amazing sign, it spreads quickly, of course, and just as Jesus knew it happened, the Jerusalem leaders hear about it and begin conspiring to murder him. And so he rides into Jerusalem as Israel's king who's rejected by its leaders. So the first half of John draws to a close with this story about Jesus laying down his life as an act of love for his friend. And this, of course, is also a sign pointing forward to the cross, which we'll explore more in the next video. But for now, that's the first half of the Gospel of John. Yeah, yeah. so that's helping us understand the Gospel of John. That's just even a paraphrase of just the first half of it. And you can imagine how dense and rich it is to unpack every verse in those 12 chapters. And then on top of that, the 66 books and how do they all connect and correlate. One Bible that has been super helpful for me is the Gospel Transformation Study Bible. Because the commentary reminds the reader, me in the particular reading, that the whole story is about Jesus all of humanity, Jesus, that we are separated from God because of sin, that God sends the rescuer, Jesus, God in the flesh to live the life we couldn't, die the death we should have, that we can now have access, that God's not limited to a tabernacle anymore, that, that we become the, the body of Christ, that we, be, we have the presence, the access, 24, the temple, the, this is real because of what Jesus did did. So that gives us some overview. And then now let's look at the first chapter in John, 18 verses. So only half of the chapter, okay? So we're going to zoom in. We've been zooming out on this one book. Now let's start to zoom in. We're going to watch a video that's three minutes long of the 18 verses read out of the New Living Translation done by Streetlights Ministry. Streetlights was created. It's a free resource. You can Google. It was created for people that can't read so they can still learn the word. There could be somebody in this room that's Feels the same way. Streetlights is there for you. There's people in our city that can't read. Streetlights is there for them. And streetlights is also there for us when we're working out, pumping some iron, because then I can look. I can listen to this as I'm going. I'm going to work. Mm, I can put in the streetlights. Start to memorize it because it's over beat. It's over song. And that starts to, you know, grab to our brain because even some of us can watch that video and be like, wow, this is deep. Think of how much time we've invested in sin. It takes a while to unpack this junk. Takes a while. So check this video out. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light, the one who is the true light who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with the physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfading love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about Him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for He existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. But God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one 
has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God. Hey, let's get some reps in, okay? Some reps. Repetition. Get your bench up. Get your weight up. You even lift, bro? You lift, bro? That's what I'm talking about. How many push-ups you got on you right now? You got like 70. I know it. Looking strong, looking strong. Let's get our spirit man big. Let's get our spirit man big. All right, so we're going to read the ESV. We're going to repeat this. So we just listened to it in the NLV and or the NLT And now we're reading the ESV. So this is John 1. Download the Bible app. It's free. You can go to Bible Gateway. You can carry a Bible. You'll look like an alien if you read a Bible when you're out and about. Like people think you're crazy. And then if you actually are nice, they're they're going to be shocked. Like, whoa. And then if you tip, it's going to be crazy. They might actually convert to, to follow Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Now out of the message. The word was first. The word was present to God. God present to the word. The word was God and readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. What came into existence was life. And the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. Jesus overcomes any darkness. There once was a man whose name was John sent by God to point out the way to the life light. He came to show everyone where to look, who to believe in. John was not himself the light. He was there to show the way to the light. It's very similar to us. Are we the light? No. So why do we have to feel the pressure to be perfect? We point to the one who is. And as we point to Jesus and his relationships constantly connected to us, now we start to become more and more like our Father. We're connected. The life light was the real thing. Every person entering life, he brings into the light. He was in the world. The world was there through him, and yet the world didn't even notice. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did not want him, who believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said. He made to be their true selves. Who here wants to be their true self? Come on, take off that mask. We all want to go back and be their child of God's selves. These are the God begotten, not blood begotten, not flesh begotten, not sex begotten. All this came through Jesus, the Messiah. 
the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Does God care about my hood? Jesus left the comforts of heaven to move into our neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, this one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous and inside and out, true from start to finish. John pointed him out and called, this is the one, the one I told you was coming after me, but in fact was ahead of me. He has always been ahead of me. He has always had the first word. We all live off his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. We got the basics from Moses. And then this exuberant giving and receiving, this endless knowing and understanding, all this came through Jesus, the Messiah. No one has ever seen God, not so much as even a glimpse. This one-of-a-kind God expression who exists at the very heart of the Father has man, has made him plain as day. All right, there's our reps. Come on, take a deep breath. We're almost done, almost done. A little Bible study because we can't get everyone to go to Bible college. Um, but we can all have, turn into our car into a Bible college. We can all turn our bedrooms into a prayer closet. We can all have moments and interactions and lunch and that we're, you know, hangry. But then next thing you know, we're turning to the word and just getting that daily bread. And something crazy happens where we get transformed and we start to have these new emotions developing. Forgiveness, love, peace, mercy. God will ask us to reach out to people that we didn't even think we had the strength to because he's doing repair, soul work, inner healing. And he's slow. He's he's so gentle. He's so precise. He's so perfect. Because when we're building, right, we want to build our lives on him. We don't want to build our life on sinking sand. Who, Who would? And when we're building, think of this for a second. If you're building something, anyone that's been a part of a building project can relate to this at an intimate level. You think outside in for a second. Let's just go top down house. Shingles. Yeah, they're important. Siding. Ah, important. Windows. Yeah, I mean, it's important. Let's get inside paint color and wood floor or carpet. Where are we going? What's the sink and the countertop look like? And that's important. But not as important as what's underneath the house, the foundation. Because if the foundation's broken, it won't matter what else we do to make it pretty. We can get all dialed up and be like, here I am, coming to church. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with dressing up for the record. But what's going on the inside, that's what God's checking most. We want deep roots in him. We want a foundation in him. We want to build our life on him that we can withstand any storm. That if a tornado comes, we can be rooted in him. Because we're going to go through storms. We're going through junk, y'all, like each one of us. And if it's not us, somebody we know is. We're supposed to carry each other's burdens and that's tough. It's like you carry it and then you carry it and you just put it on the next person's porch. You're like, all right, that's your lap now. (laughs) That's that's what it's like. So as we zoomed out, we started to zoom in. Let's zoom in and just look at four verses out of this chapter. And then I want to close with someone who's decided to build their life in the word in a heroic way. And we're going to have the opportunity to support them in just a moment. Four verses that really um, were standing out to me more than anything in those 18 was verse 1. In the beginning. Now that's a statement that reminds us that Jesus existed before everything we see. This is an eternal game. This is an eternal game. This is why when we go to a funeral and we cry, because we're not meant to die. We're meant to live forever. And we do live forever. And there's one of two places we'll spend either with God forever or separated from God, heaven or hell. And a lot of times we're accepting God because we just don't want to go to hell. God's so beautiful that he found us when we deserved nothing. He gave us grace that we we just want to be connected to him. And the benefit of that is heaven. Not like, I want to get to heaven. It's like, I just want to be close to my dad. And, when, and then when I realized my dad gave me access, access that I could be a child of God. It's a game changer. And so the word was there all the way. The logos, Jesus, the, the full manifestation of heaven's expression, the word existed before any of this was created. And what's so neat is this word with. 
with God. This speaks about intimacy. That means Jesus is in relationship with the Father, Holy Spirit. It is so neat because the quality of our dad is that it's supposed to be intimate. It's not rules-based. It's coming down. This intimate relationship that's there from the beginning is starting to come down. And then verse 11, he came to his own. What kind of God leaves the comforts of everything to come down and associate with the lowest of the created? You don't do that. In fact, in ancient times, it would be common maybe for a lowercase g to come in and associate with humans for a minute, like a God would come and associate with their people, but definitely not identify and make home with and co-inhabit or take the form of one would definitely be separate. Like, I'm God, you're not, buy him out. That's why you see these crazy rituals of people who believe in gods, lowercase g's, believe in gods, and they do the stupidest of stuff. Come on, we just got to say it's stupid sometimes. We do stupid stuff. Like if someone sacrifices a child and maybe God didn't say apart from the Old Testament in that one moment, people are still doing stuff like that to their God. This stuff... This stuff, it, we, all the time, people feel these responsibility to do all kinds of crazy things to, to their God, and we can't look at them and blame them. We're the same way apart from God revealing himself real to us. Our worship just looks differently. It looks like Netflix. It looks like Hulu. We have idols everywhere. It looks like, what, let me show you what car got, you know, I bought or whatever. Our idols look a little differently. We need a Savior who comes to us his own And then he was rejected because it wasn't obvious to the Jewish people. Because when you're in pain, you want somebody to just heal it. You don't want this delayed gratification pitch. Like, hey, we're going to be all about the kingdom. We're going to be all about love and forgiveness and mercy. And one day we're going to rule and reign. But that's not today. That's going to be later because we're going to rule and reign by serving. We're going to rule and reign by giving to those who have not. We're going to rule and reign by saying, Father, forgive them when they wrong me. We're going to rule and reign by when somebody hurts you, you're going to give them the other cheek and say, come on, you can have that one too. I love you in the name of Jesus. Like, you know, like that's what's going on. And, that's, and why would that sound appealing? Because guess what? If, you, if we're struggling, that's not appealing. It's not. It's not an appealing pitch. But that's the greatest pitch because what is obvious sometimes is the most deceiving. So what we watch on TV or what we read could be the most deceiving because there is someone who's going to claim to be king and provide a lot of relief for people. But it's going to be the anti-kingdom, the anti-king, the anti-Christ, the one who ushers in the age of darkness, unlike anything else. So if anything, we should always be looking where, where it's not obvious, where it's, where it's hidden. And I love the qualities of the kingdom because You and me, we have heaven in our midst all the time, and it just looks differently than what we want. It looks like being present with somebody that we love. It looks like listening, leading, letting God miraculously transform us day by day by day. It looks like relationship. Why does this look like relationship? Because he gave the right to become children of God. Don't buy church experience, please. Buy that. Buy that. Because the church is that. It's just a bunch of people that are children of God. God. LeBron come in, stop and pause, meet with him. Jesus steps into the room and says, you could have all of the kingdom. Brand new. Sin's gone forever and ever. Confidence like our four-year-old twins that think they can take me. I wrote in my journal today, I wrote, I want the confidence of a child because I got a lot of things in my life right now that if I don't have the confidence of heaven, I'm not going to have the right posture because sometimes insecurity, get this, is just another form of pride because we're not trusting what Jesus has already done. If he said we're free, then whom the sun set free is free indeed. The sun sets free. Remember that bumper? We listen to it for like, because we're free. We're free because we're children of God. And then lastly, verse 14 here. Look at this. And the word became flesh and dwelt. This word dwelt, we don't have time to unpack it all, but that would mean pitched a tent. The original audience would hear this as the tabernacle. So the presence of God was, was reserved and in the, the tabernacle. 
and the presence of God would even come on people for seasons or movements. And this is why I was like, Moses, I'm not going unless your presence goes with us because we're going to lose. We're not going to win a war. We're going to die. We can't do anything without your presence. This is mind-blowing because what Jesus came and said he did and what he was going to do was give that presence and that access, the supernatural power to everybody. Anyone who comes, he won't cast them out, but that he wants to dwell among us and that we have seen his glory, glory as of one, the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So I, got a, I just got a question as we end. Is this, how are we going to build our life? On the word? You remember that old commercial? I want to be, I want to be like Mike, like Mike. If I could be like Mike. If I could be, I want to be like Mike. Who didn't want to be like Mike? I want to be like Mike. I watch Come Fly With Me all the time. Heard LeBron quote Mike once. He said he's black Jesus. He's like black God on the court, man. Everybody want to be like Mike. For real. I got a little mad when I got older because I realized Mike was a person and Mike had some issues. Mike be gambling. Mike be up late at night. Mike just like me. Mike broken. He can cook dunk from the free throw line, but Mike ain't, Mike ain't got a tight. He ain't like, so if I want to be like Mike, I, it's a low standard. I want to be, I want to be like Christ, like Christ. If I could be like Christ. Think of that for a second. Like if I, like forget it all. When it strips away, I was thinking about like, It'd be, it's, sometimes it's funner to just preach. Just be up here and be like, let's preach, you know? But to teach and empower, you got to go a little slower. We got to watch videos like that sometimes. We got to do the, you know, uh, do that. Let's, let's do this. Let's get in the trenches. Why? Because when stuff hits the fan and it's just you alone and none of us are there, man, God's still giving the invitation because he wants to transform us. All the time. All the time. I want to call the stage, um, we're going to go a little over today, okay? So someone who read the connection guide and said, man, it's only supposed to be 70 minutes. We're at 70 minutes. I'm ready to be done. <laughs> Sit back, relax. We're going to go a little uh, third wheel country church for a second. <laughs> There's no start or end time. What? I just want to find out who's Christians here. But I want to call Noah to the stage. No, I'm kidding. I respect your time. We'll get out of here in a minute. But I want to call Noah to the stage. Okay, give it up for Noah real quick. Here's why I want to call Noah to the stage. Because Noah has decided to build his life upon the word in a way that is uncommon, but beautiful. And I think sometimes we were like, oh, that's neat. Like, I heard you're going to go to Bible college. Oh, that's cool. You're like, yeah, neat. Bible college going to be leaving to Birmingham, Alabama, Highlands College for two years to accept the call with a track of pastoral ministries. Before the church launch, we felt a call to do tutoring at Lansing Eastern because that was the lowest testing school in the area, according to the Lansing State Journal. It was on the top fold of the LSJ all the time. So we just went in there and we said, hey, we want to love. And Rob became the baseball coach there. And through tutoring the basketball team and then Rob being the baseball coach, we met this kid. His name's Noah. And Noah's the one, and that's what this year is all about, right? Like the one that God would see them and move into the neighborhood and pursue them and, and say, man, God's gifted you profoundly. And God's got something great inside of you because you're a child of God. And he wanted to go to Nike and maybe, you know, design there outside of college. And then God got a hold of him. And next thing you know, he wants to be a pastor. He completed an internship here. He's been a pivotal member on the dream team. And now in two weeks, you're getting ready to go for two years. We believe in the Veerling household. It's never goodbyes. It's only see you later. And so now our family will be in multiple states. And here's where we come into this. We can't do for everyone what we want to do for Noah, but we can do for one what we wish we could do for all. We want to invest into his Bible schooling. And right now, we're going to take up an offering. All of the money will go towards Noah's school. And this is an opportunity to invest in something. I think sometimes it's easier to invest in the truck because we see it. I would venture that investing in people is exponentially greater. Exponentially. Find a leader, sow into them, and then whatever God has them doing, it, great stuff happens. 
Here's how you can give to Noah today. You can give cash, check, anything taken in this offering goes to him. And then on the website, and I know you weren't prepared for this, but you can go home and do it. On the website, you would just drop down on the menu and click Love the City, and all of that will go towards Noah's schooling. And we want to pray for Noah, but before that, Noah, will you share just a couple words? We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a crazy uh, three-year journey, a lot of, a lot of ups and downs uh, to get to this point. And, uh, and just looking back and, and reflecting um, on how I got to this point, um, man, I, I just can't be just thankful and just so grateful uh, for a church that just believes in the next generation and believes in the future and is Come always on. calling out greatness um, inside of that. And I've, I've got to serve uh, for the past six months inside of Kid City. Um, and man, I'm telling you, there's future leaders inside of that room um, right now. I feel like every week I just leave inspired by those kids. And, and, uh, and I love that, that you shared this uh, yesterday during uh, the, the Love the City Truck rally um, that before City Life even launched is when you guys came into the school. And everyone told you to not start Love the City before you launched a church. 100%. And God was just calling you to go love the one. And so I just think that's, that's so profound that this year um, is the year that I'm actually heading out. Mm. And so, um, man, yeah, and it, it was all just because of a simple three-letter word, it's yes, that you guys said yes to what God was calling you to do. Mm. And so I just, I just reflecting on that and just realizing the importance and how powerful that yes can be when you just say yes to what God has called you to do, it could impact somebody else's life, right? It's not only importance on your life mm. and for what you can do, but also an importance on others. And so now here I am full circle saying yes to what God has called for me to do. Mm. And, uh, and it's to take up uh, two years and uh, take up pastoral leadership <laughs> down in Birmingham, Alabama um, at Highlands College. Come on. So, Come on. Hey, let's pray for Noah. Give big. College is expensive. Okay? It's expensive. And we're going to do for one what we wish we could do for all. Heard Andy Stanley say once, like, it's not fair. Like, and he goes, well, life isn't always fair. Because he says if you've got 12 staff members and they all want a new laptop and they can only afford one, should he give it to none or should he give the one laptop to the one? And he goes, well, of course. Because God's got different journeys for each of us. And if we can't celebrate someone else's story, I think it's, gonna, it's, a, it's a lid in our own life. And this is an opportunity for us to get behind what God is doing in Noah's story. You can't even make it up. You can't make it up. It's straight God. And anytime someone's going to go follow the call of pastoring, man, like any, money is the least we can give. Straight up, because that's a good dose of a journey of it's narrow and hard and difficult and tears, but it's all worth it. It's a holy moment. We're going to worship in a minute, and while the buckets are passing, and there'll be scriptures on the screen. Each one of us today is we're investing, but we we, we want to build our life, you know. And we're inspired by his story today and how he's going to build his life. But God wants to do something unique for each one of our lives. And I think today this is transferable. There's a connection for each person here. We're all connected. Jesus, we thank you for Noah saying yes. Because you had already said yes, that he could be accepted, he could be adopted, he could be engrafted, that he is a child of you. I pray that he moves in that confidence. I pray that you'll speak and teach and lead and correct and heal and get him prepared and ready for battle, to crush darkness and take territory for the kingdom and to advance one step that everywhere he goes, heaven is present, that you'll do more in him than through him and that through him you'll do signs and wonders. People will come to know you but it will all flow from him knowing you. 
So I pray for that space. I pray for that love. I pray for that peace. I pray for that joy. I pray for that hope. I pray for that stillness. I pray for that all. I pray for that faithfulness, that long endurance, that it's about you and your word and your truth and your glory and all of it, God, that more people can know you that he'll always care about the one. He'll remember the story of how you found him. He'll remember that you want to reach people so desperately, that you're training him and equipping him for more people. That when he feels alone, he will know that he is with you. We pray that leadership would arise. We pray that words would arise. We pray that sermons would arise. We pray that and competency for leadership and even to the X's and O's like accounting and that teams would feel empowered that he would equip people for the work of the ministry that today you will impart something in him and we bless him we send him for these next two years God we ask you to go before him preparing the way God that you will crush every assignment from darkness turn on the light right now you'll keep him preserve him help him level up that it will be way better than his dreams of when he wanted to go to Nike he's accepted not a call from Phil Knight but from the King of Kings Jesus himself remind him of those rocks remind him of those moments when he's tempted and he doubts and remind him often God we pray in the name of Jesus City Life sends and is behind you Noah if you believe it come on let's say a big amen to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.